just like to welcome everyone who's joining us for our live stream here at, at City Temple and Chelsea Community Church. Just one part of our service, so if you want to be part of the whole thing, drop us an email if you want to join via Zoom, or if you want to join in person, then come on down to Chelsea Community Church on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. If you have your Bible, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, actually, first of all, I, no, let's do 1 Peter 5 first, and then we'll go to John. Uh, 1 Peter 5, we're actually going to start with verse 19 of chapter 4, and then go down to verse 5 of chapter 5, and then we'll uh, pop over to John chapter 10. Before we read, let's bow in prayer. Lord God, thank you so much for the Bible. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true. And I thank you how you speak to us through the Bible that you inspired in the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you do that today. Speak to us, Lord, as we come to your word. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak through me as I bring your word to your people today through Jesus Christ, our Lord. To him be all the glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Peter writes, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then to John chapter 10. I'll read here. <clears throat> Could read the whole passage, but I'll read verses 7 to 13. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and he scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, take me to your leader. That's got to be one of the most overused cliches in all science fiction. I mean, it, it, everybody knows. If I said, 
to anybody on the street, I said, take me to your leader. You know, people would say, yeah, okay, you're taking the mick. You're making a joke here because it's, it's you know, and I know you an alien. You know, all aliens, they take me to your leader. And, and so I, I thought I'd find, I would do some clever research and find the first time that this phrase was used and say a film or something like that and focus on the film because, you know, it happens a lot in, in, in a lot of uh, uh, science fiction kinds of things and alien kinds of things, they take place in a film. But I found out nobody really knows where that came from. It's kind of strange. It's hard to find. The earliest time that we can kind of find an antecedent, at least, to the phrase, take me to your leader, uh, occurred, occurs, occurs, <laughs> occurs in, uh, in the New Yorker uh, on the 21st of March, 1953. There's two aliens and a flying saucer. Uh, the flying saucer is in the background, and they land, and they go up to a horse, and they say to the horse, take me to your president. And, uh, and that probably got a lot of laughs and things. So they found that. It's not quite the leader, but uh, I think for a lot of the recent history of the United States, that might fit. I don't know. I'm not going to say that. Uh, so I'll just... Uh, but by 1956, it's a cliche. So in a very short, quick period of time, it becomes a cliche. Uh, and here's a quote from the Augusta Chronicle, Augusta, Georgia, uh, Thursday, the 9th of August, 1956. It says, you recall the man from Mars, odd-looking chap, arriving via rocket on Earth and walking up to one of a herd of cows in a field saying, take me to your leader. So, so wherever it came from, it's certainly one of those things that is used to quite good effect, you know, in, in science fiction. And in science fiction, you know, all aliens have leaders. All alien societies have, have leaders. You can see that. In fact, one of the things, if you look at all the science fiction films, there's something you'll learn if you watch carefully. Every science fiction film where the aliens are governed by a council, they, the aliens tend to be benign. And every science fiction film where the aliens have a king or an emperor or a queen, they tend to be violent and you can't trust them because they'll probably eat you. And it's really fascinating when you start to reflect on that. How, how that seems to be true. The, the ones governed by a council are kind of friendly. The ones governed by a, a solo leader of some sort, kind of like a queen. You know, the, the most famous recent one is the Borg of Star Trek fame. And there's a Borg queen, and they have a Borg collective. And uh, they're really scary, the Borg. Uh, although the most recent... Oh, I won't get... That's taking me down a bunny trail. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. And isn't it interesting that in many respects, our government in the world kind of reflects that. You know, governments that tend to be governed by a dictator, they might start out benign, but they don't usually end benign. Uh, and those governed by a council, normally they try to seek peace, unless, of course, the council is taken over by a central dictator. Uh, very, very interesting. 
And when we talk about aliens and we talk about leaders, a lot of times we look around and quite frankly, we see a lot of leadership failures. I'm going to talk about that today. It's a lot around us. A lot of us have been wounded by leaders. I mean, I could probably say, uh, I, I could probably guarantee I could ask a question that nobody would raise their hand. How many of you have not been wounded by a leader at some point in time in your life? You know, and, uh, and I could probably ask you the question, how many of you have not been wounded by me at some point? And probably most of you wouldn't raise your hands either. So, so we could start to distrust leaders. And we start saying, well, I, I don't think we should have leaders. You know, that we should just be a leaderless society. But leaderless human groups do not exist. In fact, I can guarantee you that if anybody in this church came up to me or anybody in any church or any society, any group came up to me uh, and said, Rod, I've been thinking about this and I really think that, that this group or this church or this society, whatever it is, we should be leaderless. I can guarantee you one thing about that person and that is they want to be the leader. You know, because leaderless societies they simply don't exist. All human societies, like all alien societies, have leaders. Every organization has a leader. Every group of people has a leader. Every family has a leader. I mean, one of the real problems that some would say in our society today is that in some families, the children are leaders, which is not always a wise thing to do. And I'm so glad that we have some godly families in our church that give a real godly example for, for how to do that without, you know, squanching the kids and their fun and things like that. Uh, but having a leader, having a healthy leader, is essential to the health of any group of human beings. Whether it's a business, if a business, you've got to have a healthy boss and healthy bosses. If it's a church, you have to have healthy elders. If it's uh, a family, you have to have healthy parents, healthy leaders in the family. It's absolutely essential to the health of human society. And so it's important for us to understand leadership from a biblical perspective. Because I don't know about you, but I believe that God's way is the best way for leadership. And the Bible has a lot to say about leadership. Now, I'll do a shameless plug for my book, Free to Lead. If you haven't read it, you probably should because it talks about a lot of what the Bible has to say about our leadership. Although this is not that, you know, here today. But we need, especially as Christians, to understand leadership and we need to understand leadership in the local church because it's impossible for a local church to be healthy without healthy leadership healthy biblical model leadership. It's impossible for any group to have health without biblical leadership. So it's essential as Christians that we get our understanding of leadership from the Bible because the Bible presents models of healthy leadership. It also shows us some models of very unhealthy leadership so we can tell the difference between the two. And so we need to understand a bit of what the scripture has to say about this. And especially because 
we are now in a post-Christian society. If you go back 70 years ago, you could assume a certain consistency between church leadership and corporate leadership and society leadership that broadly was based on Christian principles. When I was growing up, I didn't have to worry about the mayor of my town making decisions as a Buddhist, even if they were a Buddhist, because society was formed and founded broadly on Christian principles. That's not the case anymore. And what has happened here in the last 20 to 30 years is not only has the church stopped influencing the society with regard to leadership, but the society has more and more influenced the church with regard to leadership. So you look in many American churches and the leadership style in many of those churches have, owes much more to corporate America than it does to the truth of the scripture. And because of that, a lot of churches are fundamentally not healthy. And at some point in time, just as corporations fail, that model of leadership will ultimately fail. And so we need to understand as resident aliens, this whole issue of leadership, particularly in the local church. And we need to start from this context because if we don't get it right in this context, you won't get it right in any other context. And thankfully, Peter has a lot to say about this and he packs a lot into just a few verses that we read in the passage today. And Peter sets out the, probably the fundamental thing that we need to understand about biblical leadership, and that is that shepherd is the God-given model for authentic Christian leadership. The shepherd is the God-given model for authentic Christian leadership. I mean, as David said, most famous psalm. Most famous psalm is which psalm? Number. Give me a number. 23. And what does it start out? The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, even non-Christians know that. You know, God is the shepherd. And God has a real problem with the false shepherds that come in, in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and the like. But then in the New Testament, it's no longer just God. It's Jesus is the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. And so this idea of shepherd is really the model for all Christian leadership. It's not that all Christian leaders are shepherds, and we'll see that, but the shepherd is a model. Now, by the way, there's some danger here, and I'm not going to go fully into this. The danger is that you have ideas in your mind about shepherds that are not biblical. You probably, I say shepherd, you know, and you're, you come into your mind, Jesus is the good shepherd, and you get a picture of him, one of those quaint painters from the, the mid-20th century that pictures Jesus with a little lamb, you know, carrying the little lamb and a big smile on his face and, and all that, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and the old lambs, you know, they're, they're just kind of, oh, it's Jesus, hop, 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 I'm, I'm such a happy, happy lamb because I'm with Jesus. And listen, people who think like that have never been around sheep. 
and they've never been around a shepherd. You know, I've seen shepherds. We, we have the privilege on the Isle of Lewis to know a lot of shepherds. And the shepherds, sometimes they yell at the sheep a little bit. You know, and they've got the little shepherd pole. And it's not to help them. It's to smack the sheep on the backside. Because sheep are unruly. They smell. They bite. They fight. You know, they wander off and get lost and get wrapped up in, in, in fences and things like that. And it's a, it's a mess. So you've got to be careful here because you're going to have some ideas about shepherding that are completely unrealistic and totally unbiblical. Uh, but I'm not going to go into all of that today. You're just going to have to research it a little bit more because Jesus is the good shepherd. Ultimately, Jesus is the model. He is, as in the words of Peter, the archetypical shepherd. When the chief shepherd, that's the archetype of shepherd, the high shepherd, when he appears, Peter says. So Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd because he's the one who's laid down his life for the sheep. We can do that in microcosm, but we can't do it in the macro way that Jesus has done it. He's laid down his life and he rose again from the dead and he's perfect. And that means that all shepherding must be done under the auspices of Jesus as the good shepherd and as the chief shepherd. So Jesus is the high model, but it's not, it's not just limited to Jesus. Paul, he gives the five-fold ministry model, or four, fourfold, some people say. I, I'm convinced now it's five-fold in Ephesians 4.11. And he says that Jesus gave some, and these are people he's talking about, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. And that word pastor there is the word shepherd. Now, so this five-fold ministry, I won't go into the fullness of that. I've done some teaching on that before. But understand, this is translocal ministry. The pastor, in this case, is not just the pastor of a local church, the shepherd of a local church, but as somebody who sometimes oversees other shepherds in a variety of churches, or sometimes can be a pastor that travels, you know, spends some time in different places, you know, working with local churches. But uh, that is a, a model. It's a model for key leadership. But the shepherd model that we're talking about with Jesus applies to all fivefold. So apostles have to lead like shepherds. Prophets lead like shepherds, evangelists lead like shepherds, shepherds lead like shepherds, and teachers need to lead like shepherds. So this model of the good shepherd applies to all. And I've heard a lot of apostles say, well, I'm not a shepherd, and use that as an excuse to beat the sheep. It's not an excuse. And I've said for many years, I'm not a pastor. And when I said that, I mean, I'm not a fivefold pastor. But the Lord has shown me I am a shepherd. I am a shepherd. So we have that. And then you have the, uh, the local church model. Uh, and by the way, all of these, all of these, the, these pastors and the other fivefold work together with the purpose of building up church, according to Paul. Then you have what I call, you know, that's the fivefold shepherd. 
Then you have what I call the present shepherd. And the present shepherd, biblically, are the elders in the local church. The elders in the local church is always plural. There's never a singular elder. It's always plural uh, with the scriptures. Uh, and these elders are not necessarily pastors in the fivefold sense, but they are called to do shepherding. They are all called to serve like shepherds do in the local church. Some might receive pay, but most do not. Most do not. So that's the present shepherd. I'm going to talk about them a little bit more in a moment. And then you have what I call the practical shepherd. And that's any Christian who's in leadership anywhere. We're called to act as shepherds in our leadership function. Now, sometimes that takes a lot of negotiating when it comes to working in a secular workplace. But let me tell you, having, having been in the marketplace for quite a number of years, I've never found any person who didn't like to be led by someone who had a shepherd's heart. And so it's really important. And we have to understand, too, that there's some anti-shepherds that are out there. There are people, according to the scriptures, that are not shepherds and that it can be a danger to the sheep. You have the wolves and the thieves, of course, that Jesus referred to. But primarily, you have this group called hired hands that Jesus talks about. Now, the thing is, hired hands can seem like a shepherd. In fact, I've met some hired hands who do the work of shepherding better than the shepherds do. But how can you tell the difference? The hired hand is in it for themselves. Maybe so they get pay. Maybe so they get prestige. Maybe so they're getting accepted. But the hired hand will run away when the going gets tough. The hired hand will run away when they see the wolves coming. The hired hand will run away when it's uncomfortable. The hired hand will run away when people don't like him anymore. One of the ways that God showed me that I was a shepherd after all these years of saying, I'm not a pastor. I was actually writing a letter for another situation, counseling another ministry on this. And in the process of writing the letter, uh, a long email, the Lord just said, well, Rod, see your shepherd. Because the shepherds love the sheep. And they're not going to leave just because the pastures seem greener someplace else. They'll only leave when they're told to do so by the chief shepherd owns all the fields and all the sheep in all the places and so he can tell you to go wherever you want to go but I tell you most shepherds most hired hands leave and they they say oh, I'm being called but they're not they're just running away and so so the shepherd is the model of Christian leadership that's given to us properly understood and the elders then according to Peter in the local church, and that's, as I said, that's where we develop as leaders, and that's where we show leadership, and that's where we should give the world an example of leadership. The elders are the God-appointed local church leadership who are shepherding the flock. And this is what Peter is talking about in the passage today. 
Notice he, he, he uh, concludes the other discussion about suffering that we, that we talked about last week. He said, okay, if you're suffering according to God's will, then keep on doing good. And then why I quoted that is because when he goes on, the word at the beginning of verse 1 in the Greek means that what he's now saying is connected to that. So in other words, Peter is saying, hey, people, when you're suffering for being an elder, you need to keep on doing your work. You need to keep pressing on. So that's where the connection is. That's why we quoted it. So we need to understand from Peter who they are uh, and what they do and how they do it. And Peter tells us, he says, so here's the elders. The elders are always plural, and the elders' primary responsibility is to shepherd. And understand, to shepherd here is a verb. So it's why I say that elders are not necessarily pastors, fivefold pastors. They can be. I'm an elder, uh, but I'm not a fivefold pastor. But as an elder, I'm called to shepherd. But even as in my own fivefold identity, I'm still called to shepherd. You see how that works? So the elders are a plural group of leaders who are called to shepherd, verb, the flock. And the elders are called to shepherd the flock. Notice here that Peter doesn't say the elders are called to shepherd the sheep. It's the flock. So the elders' responsibility is to oversee the entire flock. I've had some churches say, some people say, oh, I'm leaving that church because the elders don't care for me. Well, actually, that's not really their job beyond just overseeing. You know, it's not their job to meet all your needs. It's not their, certainly not their job to feed you. You know, if somebody comes to me as an adult and says, oh, well, my mama doesn't feed me, I'd say, well, you're an adult. Go out and get your own food. The only people we have to feed are the babies who can't feed themselves. So if ever somebody comes to me and says, oh, I'm, I'm leaving this church because nobody feeds me. I'm not getting fed here. I'm saying, well, you're a baby. Grow up. You don't have plenty to eat. Well, and we can do that. We can do that. So the elders are called to shepherd the flock. They shepherd the group. Elders do not take over or usurp the responsibility of individuals for themselves. That's why elders are not responsible to tell you where you should live or who you can marry or what job you're supposed to do. That's your responsibility, not the elders' responsibility. They need to be looking over the whole flock. And the elders are called, Peter says, to shepherd the flock among them. You ever think about the position of elders? We often like to think, or some, I don't, but some like to think that elders are over the flock, right? You've heard that before, right? That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. They kind of get that from the word oversight, but that's not what the word oversight means. You know? And there are some people that think, well, the elders should be under the flock. That is, well, we are an elder, that's great. You should do what I tell you to do. That's not what it says either. The elders are called to be among the flock. That means in the midst of. If you're an elder, if you were a shepherd in the ancient 
Middle East and you put your, your sheep out to pasture, but you went home in the city at night, guess what? The next day you wouldn't have any sheep left. If you're going to be a shepherd, you have to stay among your sheep. And you say, well, Jesus, you know, Jesus is over us. That's not what he says. If you look what he says in Luke about the question about, uh, about serving, he says, the Gentiles lorded over them, but I am among you as one who serves. It's essential to understand here what Peter says. He emphasizes this. Elders are among the flock, and they're responsible for their own flock. They're not responsible for somebody else's flock. And they're not responsible to somebody else. Uh, you know, outside for how they shepherd the flock. They're responsible to Jesus, and they're responsible to each other. So the elders shepherd the flock among them. They shepherd the flock among them. So that's who the elders are. What do they do? The elders exercise oversight. That means they oversee and care for the group. There are things, I can tell you for our elders, there are things that our elders together know that we would never share with anybody. And we make decisions based on a knowledge that not everybody can have in the way that we lead and shepherd the church. Sometimes those decisions are quite unpopular, uh, and it's not a popularity contest. And we're not going to try to convince people that we're right, because we don't have the responsibility to convince people that we're right. We have the responsibility to obey Jesus and to stay in unity with one another. And we do. And we do. It's, in, it's so essential. And so many churches, they think of eldership as a democracy or electing elders as a democracy. And golly, if you had the sheep picking the shepherd, it would be a mess. It would be a mess. It doesn't happen. It's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus that does that. And the elders are called to exercise the oversight. And they exercise oversight in the local church. And they are the ones who are responsible to do that. You know, if an apostle comes in today, an apostle has no authority over this church other than what the elders consent to. Same with a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. That's why in some systems, the pastor is not, the pastor that comes from the outside is not an elder. So the elders have charge over the church as shepherds. And we cannot delegate that responsibility to any other person. That's why I don't care what prophet comes in. If a prophet came in today who had a 100% track record, and gave a prophecy that we did not consent to as elders, or that we did not agree with as elders, we would rebuke that prophet. They have no authority. Because the shepherd, elders, are the ones with authority. Because they are the ones who exercise the oversight. And they exercise the oversight, according to Peter, uh, according to God's will. 
not under compulsion, but willingly. They exercise that oversight eagerly, not for some kind of shameful personal benefit. They exercise that oversight by being examples to the flock, not by being bosses to the flock, not by domineering over those in our charge. That's what they're called to do. So according to Peter, they're the local church leaders, the elders are, they occur in a group, their primary function is to shepherd the whole flock together as a group of elders, and as they do that, they're exercising oversight according to God's will, eagerly by being examples to the flock. And I'm so thankful that we have a great group of elders and many others who have served as elders in the past who serve as good examples for the flock. And our only job benefit is the reward that we're going to get that comes from Jesus. He's our chief shepherd and our standard. He's our goal. And so we judge ourselves by Jesus. And of course, we all fall short. And you should always understand that. No matter how good we are as elders, we all fall short. And this is the biblical model for local church leadership. And whenever it gets out of whack, the church doesn't function in a healthy way. I might say, well, there's some churches where, where the pastor is like, you know, you got God, Jesus, pastor, and then the congregation. How do you know if there's one that's healthy or one that's not healthy? Because some of those are healthy. You might say, well, this argues against your, your health theory. It doesn't. Because if you look closely, almost every single church, I would say, I could say every single church, but I'll say almost, I'll say 99% of churches who are led by a single, you know, this is the pastor boss kind of figurehead, has a council of leaders around him or her that are functioning as elders, even if they're not identified as elders. And this pastor functions in unity with them, not over them. And in churches that go on to be very, very unhealthy, they will often be led by a pastor who doesn't, who says, my, it's my authority, my way or the highway. And you can see that. And by the way, even if a church has elders, if they're not being listened to by a leader, then they're not functioning in a healthy way. You understand that. But this gives you a model. You can start looking at churches, and it gives a model to examine us at Chelsea City Temple. Because this is the model that we have built on for more than a decade now. And it's been healthy, and it's been good because it's been God. So we know the model. Peter gives us the model. The biblical model for leadership is the shepherd under the good shepherd Jesus as the ultimate example. Local biblical model for local church leaders are the elders who are acting like shepherds as they give oversight. And now we get to everybody's favorite. Jesus' followers have a, have a God-directed responsibility toward the elders. Every follower, every person who's part of a local church has a God-given responsibility toward the elders. 
And if people don't fulfill that God-given responsibility, then it's appropriate for the elders to say, sorry, you need to leave. Because that person could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. That person could be a thief. And it's our responsibility to keep our eyes out for these things. And you can find it. So what's the responsibility? Well, let me give you the 102 responsibilities list. For it to, no, actually, we can break it down to one. How about that? Let's skip the 102 best ways to follow elders, and let's just get to the one that Peter said. Uh, he says, everybody, you who are younger, but he means everybody else, be subject to the elders in the local church. The responsibility for every person in the local church, as it's governed by the group of elders who are functioning as shepherds, the responsibility is to be subject to them, to submit to them. Now, what does that mean? It means to cooperate with them. It does not mean to obey everything they tell you to do. It does not mean that I could go to, to, to somebody in the church and say, okay, well, I think you need to marry this person. And then, oh, well, an elder told me I had to do it, so I've got to do it. No, it doesn't mean that. But as long as we are operating within our God-given sphere of authority and responsibility, <coughs> you have a biblical responsibility to cooperate. You have a biblical responsibility to be subject to the elders. Now, again, it's the elders as a group. Excuse me. It's not just the elders as individuals. It's the elders as a group. Oh, you say, well, what happens if they're falling short? Well, I guarantee you, every day I fall short in some way. Every day I fall short. Well, am I supposed to cooperate with that? Yes. Why? So that there's a good outcome. You cooperate with me as an elder, and the other elders cooperate with me uh, in my leadership here in the church. We cooperate with one another so that the best happens. So if you cooperate with me, the goal is so that I will become the best elder I can possibly be. And if I become the best elder I can possibly be, and Olushina becomes the best elder, and Andrew becomes the best elder, Marcos becomes the best elder, guess what? It's a happier church. We're all better off. It goes better for us together. And that's why he gives that responsibility. And he says, now all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. So even if you're an elder, you've got to be humble. Even if you're an elder, you have to be humble. Now let me make you a promise. In terms of being subject to the elders, that is cooperating with them, God will always test you. Don't fail. I absolutely 100% guarantee that God will test you and maybe multiple times. Every ministry I've been a part of outside uh, City Temple that's had another leader, God's tested me in this. Don't fail the test. 
Because if you fail the test, you'll take it again until you pass. <laughs> Excuse me. The humility, clothing yourself with humility, another guarantee. God will test you. He'll test you by asking you to do something you don't want to do. He'll test you by, you're thinking, oh, well, I, I should be teaching, I should be preaching, I should be doing... And God says, well, I'd really like you to clean the toilets for a while. He will test you. Don't fail the test. Because God opposes the proud, even when he gives grace to the humble. And God opposes the proud one who refuses to be subject to the elder. It always happens. So beware, be watchful, and be ready. Now, alien societies, we see, they only thrive, in all the movies, everything you see, they only thrive through the cohesiveness and cooperation of the aliens under the authority of their leadership. Whatever that is. Churches only thrive through the cohesiveness and cooperation of the people in the church under the authority of the eldership. And Christians together will only thrive through our cohesiveness and cooperation of all of us together under the God-given leadership of people who are submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and his leadership. We are living in a world right now that needs to see good leadership. Not weak leadership, not namby-pamby leadership, but good, strong leadership. When the wolves are coming, it takes leadership. When the thieves are there, it takes leadership. When you got wolves in sheep's clothing, it takes leadership. When you got hired hands that are trying to make themselves out to be shepherds, it takes leadership. When you have a world that's trying to draw the people away to what seems to be green pastures, but are nothing more than poison fields, it takes leadership. And it takes gutsy leadership and strong leadership and leadership that says, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to abandon the sheep. I don't care how many there are. I don't care how few they are. As long as the chief shepherd has told me to be here, I'm going to be here and I'm going to love the sheep and I'm going to serve the sheep, and I'm going to care for all the sheep together, overseeing the flock. And this kind of leadership is needed in the church today. It's needed in the world today. And it can only happen in full submission to Jesus Christ. Because he's the one who's laid down his life for all of us. He's the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead. And may the leadership of City Temple, the leadership of Chelsea Community Church, always, always, always be healthy, shepherding leadership for the glory of God and Jesus Christ and the well-being of the whole flock. Father God, thank you so much for your will and for your ways in our lives. Thank you, Lord God, for the, the good shepherds that you've placed in this congregation, in these congregations, how you've cared for us and provided for us and called us together. Thank you that we have 
a church of people who are willing to cooperate with one another and cooperate with us. Thank you for that health, Lord God. May it multiply, and may it multiply even as the church multiplies. As more people come in, may they respond to healthy models of leadership. And may this healthy leadership flow throughout our entire ministry for every single person, because we're all called to be leaders. And we're all called to act as shepherds in some way toward others around us. Give us the wisdom to do so with your love, grace, and mercy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's join in.